every day for what God is about to do in this community. Hopefully it is white unto harvest and ready, just as it was. I believe from listening to that, that God, while they were praying for 30 days to go in, was closing the mouth of crocodiles. And I believe he had the chief on on his deathbed so that they would prepare the way for the word of God, that when it was there, he realized that not only was he near physical death, but now he spiritually was dead and came alive again, and it rejuvenated his physical life, and that became the beacon of light for that word to go through. So let's take a moment of prayer as the the children are going to walk through to prepare for what God wants us to hear about taking His message to everyone. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, Happy Father's Day. We love You and thank You for all that You have done and especially through Your Son, Jesus Christ that allowed us to become sons and daughters of yours. And Father, as we break open the bread of life and we're going to talk a little bit about your son and about him being our example of being fishers of men. Pray, Father, that you'll be with our hearts and that you'll be preparing our hearts and our motivation and our prayer life and our desire to take your word to others. Father, may our hearts and minds be open to your word this day, and may we be challenged by it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we've been talking about promises of God and about ourselves being energized with energy and with knowledge and leaning on these promises and and how they work in our lives. But now we've got to take these promises and things and share them with some other folks. And get ready. You know, in uh, Acts 20 and 27, Paul told the Ephesian elders there to get ready. He said, I've taught you the whole counsel of God. We've been learning this counsel of God, and now we take it out of love to everyone else. We want not every home for Christ, but every soul for Christ. When Jesus called his disciples, he said this to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's what he desires for all of us to be, is fishers of men. Indeed, he began a training process of that, and in Luke 10, he took 70 of them, and he sent them out two by two, and told them to go out into the villages ahead of him and prepare the way for this word of God and for the acceptance of Jesus as Lord and Savior. And they went out and they did that and they came back so excited because of what they saw. When they went out, not only were lives being changed, but they saw the evil that was around being rebuked out of the lives of these people. And they came back and so excited and they shared that with Jesus. And He listened to them as they shared what they had done while they was out there doing what he told them to do to share the word. And then it says this, as he closed out, after they had told him about what they had seen, he told them, 
be excited now that your name is written in the kingdom of heaven. And then it says that he separated himself away from all of them. And it says this, he rejoiced in his spirit of what they had told him. And again, all week I've been convicted by that. Because what made him happy, what caused him to rejoice was that the people did what he asked them to do and they went out and they shared the news and they got excited about it. They were excited about seeing when you do what I ask you to do, how that even the demons, he said, was rebuked and I could see him going out of the lives of people and they changed and became new. And it says he rejoiced in that fact. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. His life was devoted to being the light of the world. In John 8, he was there talking that. It is so important to us to do his mission that two of the four gospels end with the great commission to us. Matthew 28 there says to go ye into all the world and to teach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Continue teaching them all the things that I have commanded you. Mark 16 says the same thing. But it goes one step further. He that doesn't believe will be condemned. We don't want any soul for Christ to be condemned. We want them to hear the message and to grow. What is the good news? What is the message we take them? It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's very simple. It's this message. Paul says, I preach to you the gospel, the good news. And what is that good news? That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He died upon the cross for our sins. That He was buried and He arose again the third day for our sins. And that if you believe in Him and you follow Him, you have eternal life. It's that easy. That is the gospel, the good news, Paul said. And I have shared that everywhere that I go. And it's such an important message that not only did two of the gospels end with it, but the last words of Jesus spoke before he ascended to the Father was recorded in Acts chapter 1 right there in verses 8 and 9. And it says, he told them, you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And when he finished saying that, he ascended up into the clouds. What was the last words, his last wish? For you to be my witnesses in Perrigan, to Morgan County, to Indiana, And to the uttermost parts of the world. That would be what he would say as of to us. Be my witnesses. That was the last words that he shared before he left. They continued gathering together. And that happened that they received that gift in Acts chapter 2. And the first thing they did was proclaimed that good news to everyone there. But Jesus said, come follow me. And so I want to know what does that look like? What does it look like to follow him and go and be with him? And he said, 
you're going to be my witness. You know what a witness is? It's a person who sees or knows something and shares that. That's all it is. We are ambassadors for Christ, it says. And an ambassador just means one sent with the message of the royalty or whoever it was who sent you with that message to go and to take it. We have been given that message to go and to take. Why? Because there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. And we have to share that and take that message to everyone. And we have several opportunities coming up to do that. Next month, we've got VBS. We mentioned earlier, we need volunteers, every one of us. We need help. We need decorators. We need people that can just walk the kids. We need smiles on faces so that they see what's going on. And it's joyful for them to be in the house of the Lord and for them to learn. We need to reach their parents in some way as they bring them here. And after that, five weeks after VBS, we have the Paragon Homecoming. We're going to set up again and we're going to share Jesus, the light of the world and the water of life and hand out water at the there. And if it's hot like this, I'm sure our booth will be busy. And how many souls are we going to be able to witness to for the for Christ? You say, oh, but I can't talk to people. I'm not. Well, can you put snacks in a bowl? You know, we're going to. Feed the little guys and gals when they're here. Can you load the bow with some snacks? Can you pick up what's left over when they rush off to go to their next uh, portion? There are things that everyone can do. We've all been given gifts that we can do to take care of this. The Holy Spirit was a promise that was given to us just like it was to them Peter said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 when he had shared that gospel message and they said, men and brethren, what must we do then? And he said, repent. In other words, change your mind about Jesus because he had told them that this same Jesus that you crucified and said was a liar is Lord and Christ. What will we do? Their hearts were now opened. And he said, repent. Change your mind about Jesus and be baptized into him. And you will receive a gift from the Holy Spirit. And that gift of the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And you know what happens when He dwells within us? He gives you a gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us all about this gift that that we receive. And here's the cool thing. You see, the Holy Spirit is also God. And He knows each one of us. And He knows this congregation of new life here in Paragon. And he gives to each individual the gifts that you need, that you can do for the body that you're with. Because we, it takes everyone for the body of Christ to function properly and to work. <clears throat> it says that all of the gifts, there is one God... That there is one Christ and there is one Spirit. But they all work together within us to give us what we need to glorify them. If all of us were noses and had the gift of smell, we could smell really good. 
But we wouldn't have a mouth to eat it with, would we? We wouldn't have hands to take it up there to be able to get to it. We wouldn't be a stomach to digest. We have all been given different gifts to work together to glorify God with. But you say, but I'm so weak and I'm so new or I, I can't do those sort of things. I want to I share something with you. I want to share with you from the Word of God what it says about that. It says here, beginning in verse 22 up there, those members of the body that think that they seem to be weaker are necessary. Every one of us is necessary to do the work of God in the body of Christ. Verse 23, continuing, says this, for those who think that my gift is less honorable, it's not as exposed to everything like standing up here and teaching. Look what he says. He says this in verse 23. These that have been bestowed or been given greater honor that has been given lesser gifts of what people perceive to be. It is God who composed his body and gave you what you have. And God gives greater honor to that part which thinks that they are lacking. I want to give you an example of what that's trying to say. Picture the temple. Picture all of the Pharisees coming in in their pomp and their royal regality. And they're giving handfuls of money and looking to see who puts the alms in the treasury. And Jesus and his disciples are sitting there watching this. And then a a little lady comes in and puts one mite in. Everything she had. Who got more honor? The lady with the might, didn't it? The disciples are looking and Jesus said, she gave of everything she had and she is honorable as she walked out. The others gave out of a false reason and they gave out of their abundance. Jesus only chose 12 to be apostles that was following him. She received honor while these 12 who are higher exposed to Christ... We're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. So who received honor? Who received the recognition? And I say it's the widow with her might. And I say it's every one of us who works in the body of Christ to do whatever is necessary to share the word of God in this community with these kids and with the people that are in need of it. Jesus said, come follow me. And he goes into the temple and he begins to teach to them in John chapter 8 that I am the light of the world and that I have come from God. And he gets stiff opposition from the people that are there. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of opposition to trying to share the news. There's going to be a lot of times when you think that I just want to give up. But we persevere. He said, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. So he gets in here and he starts talking about, I am the light of the world. And they start to be hard-hearted and discredit him. They want to discredit Jesus and his message and his history and who he is. And he begins to say that I am of my father. And you know what they said to him? I didn't catch this for a long time. But there in John chapter 8, they said this. Ha! 
Where is this father of yours that you talk about? We know our father, and we are not sons of fornication. Do you see what they're doing to him? They've been knowing about him for a long time now. They've interrogated his entire family history. And they don't believe that he's from God. They don't even know whether he was from Joseph out of wedlock or someone else. And Joseph was just kind and kept her. And so when Jesus starts talking about the father, they immediately come and they smash him. Look up at verse 41. What does it say? We do the works of our father. We are not born of fornication. Oh, pierces him, but does it change him from, no, he continues to try to teach him. He does get a little stiff back with him. He said, well, you're refusing to hear because right now you're of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you're wanting to do right now. And he was a murderer from the beginning and a liar, but I am telling you the truth. And instead of hearing that word of truth, they started calling Jesus other worse names in the book, like, you're a Samaritan with a demon. And to them, that was about as low as you could go and cast upon him. They were so infuriated by now, that if you look up there at verse 59, it says this, they took up stones... To throw at him, but Jesus hid himself, went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by them. And that last words, so passed by, leads into chapter 9, our text for today. Because it begins with this, now, as Jesus passed by. So here's the setting of this blind man that Jesus is going to encounter. He's just had an argument in the temple. They've gotten into it with some heated words and exchanges. They get so mad, they're looking around for big rocks to chuck at him right now. He passes through the midst, somehow unavoiding them. And then, as he is exiting and passing by them, he turns and he looks, and something stops him in his tracks. Wait a minute. You're in danger. Your life is at stake here. You've got these Jews who are good with rocks and stoning folks wanting to do this to you. Why are you stopping now, Lord? Well, look what it says. This is what was important to him. As he passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Keep going, Jesus. Don't let him get you. And he said, no, I see somebody that's in need. And this man who's been born blind from birth is kind of symbolic of us that are, before we know Christ, we're blind to Him in this world. And we have spiritual blindness. And what is the most important thing? His safety? No. There's somebody that needs to know about me. And he stops. And he takes a moment and he goes over to him and he tells You and I and his disciples this by doing that. Watch. Follow me. And I will show you how to become fishers of men. We're going to find out a little bit later that this guy's here every day. And those Pharisees and those other people have just been walking by him. Sometimes they deride him. 
And they make fun of him and use him as an example. And I'll show you that in a minute. Sometimes they sound the trumpet and give him alms. Because he's sitting there by the temple because he knows people go in all the time. And when they want something from God, they think it will justify them more in the sight of God by giving him alms and making sure that everybody sees that he gave him something. And now we go in and we ask God for something because he knows that I just gave him that and he really owes me. No, that's wrong. You see, what they failed to realize as they walked by that man and used him as examples is that that's not what he's there for. He's there because he's a soul for which Christ died for. And they never look beneath the beggar and the blindness to see what is underneath. That there is a soul for whom Christ died that needs something here. And you say, a minute ago, you said that they would make fun of him. How do I know that? Well, look at verse 2. His disciples asked him, as Jesus passed by and took a look at this blind man, the disciples saw what he was doing and what he was looking at, and their first comment was this. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned here? That this man or his parents, that he was born blind. You see, that was the teaching of the Pharisees and the rabbis of the day. If he was born blind, then surely... It was because he or his parents had sinned and caused him to be this way. And this man sat there on the steps of the temple, getting told that as they stood there and would say that. And these disciples have heard that taught, and they knew that's what they had said to this man. And so they want to ask their teacher, what happened? What is the reason? Jesus said... Neither one. The Pharisees are wrong on this account. Everyone has got this wrong. And he said this. This has happened to this man. So that the works of God can be displayed through him. And again, that just floored me. Because... As we go by and we see people in the way they are in life, and we might have internal pity or we might push it off as, well, they made that choice. What Jesus is saying here is that sometimes we and others are in the position that we are in by decisions or not. We are here so that God can be glorified from where we go, from where we are. From point A to B. This man is going to be a witness for Christ in front of these Pharisees in just a few verses. And he's going to be a destructive witness to everybody. They've been laughing at him and mocking at him and using him as an example and then giving alms to think that they can be glorified to God by it. But there was a soul in there in need. And this soul is in the position that it is So that God can be glorified through it. You know what glorifies God the most? When they can see a huge change in who you are. I heard one guy say, If there was a trial 
to put you on trial for Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict you in court? Has your life demonstrated things for Christ that would show that you actually follow Him? When we follow Christ and He says, come follow me, He is saying that you will be changed just like this man to where everybody... We're going to find out next week that all of the folks were coming and saying... Weren't you? You were the guy who sat there blind. What happened? Tell us what happened. That should be the story of our life. Didn't you used to be the guy who fill in your blank? Yes, I was. Well, what happened to you? Let me tell you about my encounter with Jesus. And he's going to tell him he put some clay on my eye. And I received my sight. And that's what he did for us. That is what it looks like to come and follow me. He stops and we learn a valuable lesson on how to be fishers of men through this scene and interaction of Jesus with the man who's sitting at the steps of the temple. He had compassion. He didn't care that his life was in danger at the moment and that they were after him with rocks. No, What is on my platter is not as important as getting the message to this man who needs it and is sitting here ready for it. And that hit me that I need to not only slow down in my life, but I also need to kind of exhort us as the body of Christ to come follow Jesus and to do what he did. How many times have I been like that, that I failed to recognize the man behind or the woman behind the soul behind what I see on the exterior and what the need was. It's time for us to stop and think about that a little bit. Jesus is going to open up the eyes of this man. When we take the message of him to the world, we are opening up their eyes as well. So as the worship team comes on back up and and we close this out, what do we want to take away from the lesson today? First, That we need to focus not on the external, but upon the souls of people. Not every home for Christ, but every soul for Christ. And to hear the gospel of our Lord. And it begins right here with us. Here at Perrigan. Here at New Life. But it begins with me. And begins with you. It begins with prayer. If you saw the first part of that video... The man said, we fasted and we prayed. And we prayed for 30 days before we went in. And I think that those prayers was softening the hearts, preparing the soil, preparing the way of safety from crocodiles, of hearts being receptive like the guy that met him on the trail and led him straight to the chief. And the chief being in a position of wanting to receive it because of how he felt. Maybe this town is just like when Jesus told his disciples to look up. The field is wide unto harvest. All we need is workers to go out into that field. And it begins with prayer. So I would ask you to begin now getting into the habit of praying every day for this local body and all of us to take the word of Christ to others And to prepare the hearts of those that we're going to take this word to. Let's commit to being doers of the word. And not 
just hearers only. And that in those words of Jesus, go ye into all the world means go me into all the world and teach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say it was going to be easy. We got to learn how to do this. He says, come follow me and I will make you to become. That means it doesn't come natural, but we have to learn it and we have to get motivated to do it. So our first example is significant. Every soul was important, important enough to slow down and take the time to share a message with them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for each and every soul who is present here in this building today. Thank you, Father, first of all, that their desire was to come to worship you on Father's Day. To learn from you and to worship you and to give you glory and honor. And we pray that we have done so. And Father, may this word of yours, the example of your son that how important he stressed it upon his disciples to go and teach. Even his last words were that. And then this example of how that he left the crowd and the religious do-gooders and he stopped, though, for one man who had a positive attitude. Help us to understand that every soul matters. We pray that you will work in our own hearts as well, that we will learn how to become fishers of men that you will make us to be. And we ask this, Father, that you be glorified in this community. In Jesus' name, amen.